Good morning. Welcome back to the Brawn Body Podcast. And today, this is kind of a hodgepodge of a lot of different topics, a lot of different things, but it's all going to relate to what I'm calling some of the real health issues that are currently not being addressed in America. Uh, The key here is some. There's a lot. And I'm going to try and briefly mention each, but I'm only really diving into a couple of them. So this episode is sponsored by Brawn Body, which is, of course, our company. And we're currently having a sale for college students on our custom workouts and fitness programs. You'll see some Instagram posts about it today. For only $50, you can get eight weeks of customized workouts and fitness programming with unlimited support. And for only $75, you can extend that to 16 weeks, which would be the entire length of your semester. So be sure to take advantage of that opportunity. We've had great results uh, from people who are on those programs because everything is tailored specifically to you. I'll be sharing some more of those on our Instagram today, of course, so stay tuned for that. But we've seen everything from dropping two belt sizes in a matter of six weeks to increasing the deadlift one one rep max by 75 pounds in only eight weeks. So if either of those things or anything similar to that sounds good to you, be sure to reach out to us and we'll be happy to help you get started. So diving in today, as I said, there's a lot of health issues in America that are not being addressed currently. And I don't want this to get political. I'm not here to politicize anything. I'm here to just focus on the health aspect of our country. And we're seeing things from poor air quality due to wildfires. Um, I know we get air quality warnings where I am in Pennsylvania different times, and I'm not exactly sure why, but our air quality is going down. The environment itself is having issues with pollution. The amount of those blue disposable masks I've seen on my walks every day is unreal. People as a whole are getting fatter and fatter. We're seeing obesity rates climbing. We're seeing rates of uh, chronic diseases and metabolic conditions climbing. We're seeing our food quality decrease more and more. There's all kinds of issues that are currently going on in our country. And I'm hoping to really highlight a few uh, today and really dive into some of them deeper today and then do the same thing moving forward if this is a well-received podcast. Now, before we dive in, some of the stuff I'm going to be going over, uh, it might sound like medical advice, and I want to make clear that this is all for your educational purposes, and I am not a doctor yet, so I am not here to give medical advice. So, with that, diving in to one of the first biggest issues I've seen, and I actually think this is the root cause of so much of what you're seeing in the news right now, is sleep deprivation. Plain and simple, the human body needs sleep. Sleep is the time for your body to recover, both on all different levels. 
So it's a time for muscles to repair themselves and grow bigger and stronger. So if your sleep is off, then your muscle recovery and muscle function will be off. It's also a key time for your nervous system. So your nervous system, as you know from last week, is responsible for so many different things. See, I told you, you know, if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, go back and listen to it because it's going to lay the stage for a lot of the things that I'm going to be talking about here. So as you know from the nervous system, the central nervous system, you have the um, brainstem and the cerebellum. And what do they do? Movement coordination, refinement of movement. Well, what happens when you're tired and those systems get groggy? You decrease your body's ability to um, have that internal coach from the cerebellum. And as a result, your movement patterns get a little wonky. And if you don't believe me, try doing a squat after you've slept eight hours. And then try doing a squat after you've slept four hours. I'm telling you right now, the squat after you slept eight hours is going to look so much better than that four-hour squat. And I've seen this in clients, in people at the gym, other people, quite a bit people will be sleep deprived, whether it's, you know, they're up late studying or this happened, that happened, whatever. The quality of their movements decreases significantly. And that puts you at a much higher risk for injury, not just because your muscles didn't recover, but your movement patterns are now off. Additionally, as I said, sleep is kind of important for every system and it's all about that recovery and waste removal and that kind of thing. Your central nervous system has these different plaques and tangles that build up over time. Things called beta amyloid plaques and tau proteins. You might have heard some of those in reference to uh, sports and boxing and football because uh, chronic traumatic encephalo- encephalopathy, the uh, Dr. Bennett Omalu finding with the concussions there, uh, that is based on the tau protein accumulation. Uh, and Alzheimer's, dementia, different mental health disorders along those lines are linked with the beta amyloid plaque accumulation. Well, sleep is your body's time to clear out that Uh, brain trash, so to speak. Sleep is when your body is going to reduce those beta amyloid plaques and tangles built up uh, in the brain. And that was something Dr. Daniel Aman or Amen, he really looked into that extensively. And I do like a lot of the material he puts out along those lines is, you know, he says, plain and simple, your brain needs sleep. And if you start feeling mentally groggy or mentally you're not quite there maybe your sleep is off so with that going into that a little bit deeper there's a study i've got it linked in the show notes here that uh looked at soldiers so again not only is all of this lack of sleep going to impact your physical state and mental well-being and ability to physically perform it's going to affect your mental performance too So they looked at soldiers in this study, and they were at the shooting range. So they were looking at accuracy based on the amount of time the soldiers slept. Now, they all received the same training. They tried to hold a lot of variables constant where they could. So soldiers who slept at least seven hours 
were 98% accurate on the range. Seems pretty good, right? Six hours. Six hours of sleep. Accuracy is now 50%. With just one hour less. Five hours. 38% accuracy. Less than five. 10% accuracy. So think about all the times that you or someone you know is sleep deprived. The average American only gets six hours and 40 minutes of sleep per day. So if that's every American, we're going to go out on a limb here, extend it and assume it here and say that every American gets six hours and 40 minutes of sleep per day. And that says we are somewhere between 50 and 98% accurate. So let's just kind of divide that in half and go somewhere in the middle. Say we're at about 75% accuracy. Okay. Now think about how everything you do throughout your day would be impacted if you're only performing at 75% capacity. Think about that for a minute. If you're taking an exam and you need to get 100, it's going to be a lot easier to get that if you got a full seven hours of sleep as opposed to getting less than seven hours. The more you sleep, the better you perform. Exams at work, in life, are you coaching your sons or daughters or kids in sports? Are you doing a side hustle? Are you starting a business? Are you working out? Are you at a shooting range? What are you doing that requires your mental ability to perform, your mental capacity to have skill, studying even. So going off of that a little bit deeper, uh, diving in a little bit to the food side of things now, people in general Americans, the American diet is very carb heavy, high carb. Here's the problem with that. Carbs need to be stored in the body, right? Insulin stores the carbohydrate. Okay, fine. True. Insulin also shuttles serotonin into the brain. Okay, now we throw out a big fancy hormone term. Serotonin is the precursor for melatonin. Remember we talked about that in the neuroscience podcast, how melatonin comes from the epithalamus and is so important for the circadian rhythm and sleep. There's studies that show people's melatonin levels are peaking at 2 to 3 p.m., mid-afternoon. Why? They just had a high-carb breakfast and a high-carb lunch. They woke up, they had their Pop-Tarts, they had their toast, they had their pancakes, waffles, French toast, drizzled in maple syrup. Lunchtime, they had their sandwich, you know, the peanut butter and jelly, bag of chips, uh, maybe a cookie to wash it down with a Coke or a Pepsi or some kind of soda, a soft drink, whatever. And... In reality, those things are destroying you mentally. They're destroying your brain in the sense that the signal your brain is getting through the serotonin to the melatonin is that it's time to go to bed. It's time to sleep at 2 to 3 in the afternoon. And what could you do? You could lay down, take a quick 15, 20-minute nap. But do you have time to do that every single day? Most people would say, no, I don't have that kind of time. So what would you do? This is where the biohacking comes in. And this is where I go a little off the grain here. And I say, look, go keto for breakfast and lunch. 
I'm not saying full keto every day. I'm saying for two out of your three meals or one out of your two meals, if you're like me, don't eat carbs or really limit the amount of carbs that you eat. So if you do a breakfast lunch, maybe for breakfast, you're going to do an omelet or maybe some turkey bacon or some high quality um, other breakfast kind of meats, just something higher in fat, higher in protein, lower in the carbohydrates, throw an avocado in with things, get the healthy fats, mix it up a little bit, get away from those breakfast foods that we often think about, like the cereals, like the breakfast pastries, all that sort of thing. Get away from the processed juices too. I know so many people wake up and drink their glass of orange juice. Look at the nutrition facts on your orange juice. Tell me how much sugar is in that. And I know you probably think, oh, well, you know, it came from fruit, so it can't be bad, right? Just because, you know, the fruit, the sugar comes from a natural source like fruit doesn't mean it can't have detrimental side effects. In this case, it's a carbohydrate, so it's going to activate this whole serotonin melatonin pathway. You should not stop eating fruit just because of that, but you should maybe time it a little better. So that's what breakfast would look like. What about lunch? So maybe you eat a light lunch. Maybe you're more of a snacker kind of thing. And maybe in that case, your lunch looks like some nuts of some kind, so almonds, cashews, walnuts, maybe even macadamia nuts, uh, if you're really feeling it, pecans. Um, and you could do a lot with those too. You could do homemade bites and bars and all kinds of different things. The internet is such a powerful tool and the amount of recipes I've seen, I'll see if I can link to some in the show notes here. I'll get them posted as soon as I can. Uh, I'm going to go back and refine and add some of these things in. But the amount of them that I've seen that are so keto friendly uh, with different nut butters, nuts, seeds even, they'll throw chia seeds in there that you can make at home in minutes. Even there's one group, I think it's called Keto Babe or Keto Babe Bakes. I can't remember what it was. I'll see if I can link to that too. But their whole app, their whole group, company, whatever, is all about ketogenic recipes that you can make pretty easily at home. And they're using things like almond flour and coconut flour. They have keto bread, low-carb bread. What says you can't make low-carb bread with coconut flour and almond flour and layer some free-range chicken, which I'm sure you all saw all about that in the Instagram post yesterday, uh, free-range chicken, some type of grass-fed beef, or maybe some type of fish even, and make a sandwich out of that for lunch. Just because you can't get it at the grocery store per se doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You might just have to make it. And even with that, I have seen more and more keto, low-carb options uh, popping up in the grocery store. Lately, I've been on a little bit of an Aldi kick because of one of my roommates. She loves Aldi's. And I've got to say, I've actually been pretty impressed with some of the different options that they have. And it's pretty low cost and pretty easy to eat healthy with some of these different things like keto or higher quality meat or whatever on a pretty limited budget. So I highly recommend you look into something like that. Uh, you could throw in a full fat Greek yogurt or some similar type of yogurt. Most yogurts, if you check, a lot of 
plain yogurts will have more sugar. But you can find Greek yogurts that have, I think mine has like five grams of sugar in it. So I can deal with taking in like seven or eight grams of carbs. That's not going to wreck me and throw me way off the train here. But then your dinner can be a higher carb kind of meal. So if you want to throw in sweet potatoes or baked potatoes, if you want to throw in white rice or some formation, some form of pasta, some fruit, whatever you want to do, maybe you make a fruit salad and throw in some uh, like fruit in your salad. So like a nice dark leafy green, throw in some berries, throw in some fresh salad dressing, mix that in with some free range grilled chicken and maybe throw in some chickpeas and different things. You could even make a bowl out of it and throw some white rice or something similar into that. You can do a lot of different creative things with your meals throughout the day to really hone in on that carbohydrate timing. And again, I'm going to try and link to some of these different resources in the show notes. So that's problem number one that I'm seeing is these issues with sleep and the circadian rhythm. People are not getting enough sleep and people's circadian rhythm is telling them it's bedtime mid-afternoon and they're treating it by slamming a couple cups of coffee or Adderall or you know some kind of energy shot or something along those lines. And in reality, that's not what our bodies are meant to do. But we see people all the time in these high-stress situations. Again, not trying to get political here, but police, uh, protesters even, that sort of thing, where there's a lot of tension, a lot of stress. And when you're in one of those moments, and again, maybe you got four hours of sleep the night before, your mental performance is now down to less than 10% of where it normally is. Think about that. You feel pretty crappy because you didn't sleep well. Your performance is affected. So think about that before you go and make assumptions off of what you're seeing in the news is these people that you're seeing day in and day out who are having issues when they're in these tense and stressed situations Maybe they just need to take better care of themselves and get a little more sleep. And again, not trying to get political, not trying to start anything here. Just saying to consider the full picture and the full story before you start to form opinions on anything. So that takes me into another issue that I'm seeing a lot of. And this is going to be quite the turn here, so get ready. But... We're seeing tons of issues with reproductive health in the country and specifically hormonal imbalances. So let me see if I can pull up this study because I was amazed at the numbers on this. Let's see where it is. So this study looked at male testosterone and the gonads. So uh, guys, that's your testicles. And basically showed that ibuprofen was having some real issues with that. And going along with that, male testosterone levels and hormone levels, uh, they're about 50% of what they should be in the average male. So I believe the average male is around 400, I 
forget the exact uh, units for that. I think it was milligrams per deciliter. Uh, I'll have to link that in the show notes as well. But your grandparents, 30, 40 years ago, they were more 700 to 800. So the average male, their testosterone and similar levels of hormones are about half of what they used to be. And as a result, you're seeing a lot of issues with reproductive health and infertility and all that sort of thing. And obviously that led to the creation of the now billion dollar industry of uh, reproductive health, whether it be in the form of a little blue pill or something similar. When in reality, it's your lifestyle factors that are contributing to that. So as we've talked about in previous podcasts on sleep, we know that sleep, proper sleep, contributes to testosterone levels and growth hormone levels. So if you're not sleeping enough, you're going to see a decline in growth hormone and testosterone. We've also talked in the past about nutrition and how if you're not getting enough healthy fats, enough cholesterol, and enough protein, and you're eating too many uh, carbohydrates and too many processed foods, artificial foods, then ultimately you're going to see a decline in some of these different hormone levels like testosterone. Now, the converse can be true. If you eat a strictly keto diet, very low carb, you can also see levels of testosterone decline. And really this comes into a little bit of a balancing act. Is There's a fine window for all the foods that you eat. And this is something Dr. William Lee looked into in detail, and I have a lot of respect for him and his work, where he looked at foods as drugs in a way. He looked at foods with specific therapeutic windows and said that foods have specific ranges or specific doses that allow them to exert beneficial effects while minimizing the side effects, which is what we want. So maybe you should only eat two grams of chia seeds a day to maximize benefits and not eat four grams of chia seeds. Maybe you should drink five or six ounces of kefir and not eat or not drink 16 ounces of kefir. Maybe that's too much for your body. And these are things I'm just making up on the fly here, but just as an example. Uh, But this study that I referenced here looked at ibuprofen, which is, of course, one of the most common over-the-counter NSAIDs used. I know people who every day they were taking four, six of these every single day. And this study linked that with the decline in male reproductive health. So the study showed that ibuprofen use results in selective transcriptional repression of endocrine cells in the human testes. Think about that. Transcriptional repression. Repression. Does that sound like a good thing to have going on? This repression results in the elevation of the stimulatory pituitary hormones. That results in a state of compensated hypogonadism. So hypo meaning smaller, gonads referring to the testicles, and compensated hypogonadism, so smaller testicles, is a disorder associated with adverse reproductive and physical health disorders. So what do we know? Um, And this is something 
Dave Asprey and Ben Greenfield are both huge on as well is, you know, your libido and sexual functioning, for lack of a better term, is a great example of your overall health of your body. Can you get blood flowing? So cardiovascular. Can you maintain that blood flow and hold that blood flow? Um, can you maintain the contractions required by your pelvic floor musculature in your core? We talked about that being a important component of the core. Do you have the proper hormone levels in the first place? And this study is basically saying that ibuprofen is really wrecking the hormonal level of that and causing a lot of other different things. And again, this is only one study. So I know, you know, one study as opposed to multiple studies, one does not hold as heavy. However, this was a phenomenally constructed study. They had a lot of higher up people working on it. It went through the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center, I believe, which is pretty well known. And it was published in the National Academy of Sciences in the United States of America. So pretty high ranking stuff here. Again, overall, I really liked the way they looked at the study, the way they approached it and all that. So highly recommend, again, linked in the show notes. You can dive in deeper to that if you would like. Now, with that said, you know, what should people who have inflammation use? Again, this all comes down to talking with your doctor along different things like that. Because again, I am not yet a doctor. This is not medical advice. But personally, I use turmeric, which as you may have heard me talk about before, is a superfood, very potent, very powerful anti-inflammatory. And I take a little bit of that in a powder form every day. And I love it. I feel so much better as a result of it. And I can't advocate for it enough. So I would highly recommend looking into that sort of thing. I even know in the past when I was doing job shadowing uh, for physical therapy to determine, you know, is this really what I want to do? The one physical therapist I I, uh, shadowed was recommending it to her patients because she had so many patients coming in saying that it was working better than the -the over-the-counter medications they were taking before. So definitely something to look into. So we've gone over sleep deprivation and ibuprofen and all these issues within the country. So let's talk about something a little more interesting and fun. Uh, We're going to go over what I'm calling my new favorite exercise. Uh, And this is the Turkish get up. So stealing a little bit from uh, Pavel here, the uh, Russian kettlebell master. The Turkish get-up is a full-body strength and mobility movement. You need to be mobile in your legs, in your hips, through your spine. You need to have shoulder mobility. You need to have stability in your core. You need to have strength in your shoulders, strength in your legs. It is a phenomenal full-body workout. It's meant to be performed very slow, too. So, As you know, slower you go, the more time under tension you're going to have, the harder your muscles are going to work. But at the same time, we think about stretching, and the longer you hold a stretch position, 
the more that muscle is going to adapt. So by going slow, you're really building a ton of strength and a ton of mobility at the same time with a full body functional activity that's really going to challenge the core. So I've been throwing some of these in every single day. And again, I've really been loving them. I get some interesting looks sometimes at the gym because it's kind of an exercise that most people don't really see a lot of or don't really do a lot of. So it kind of turns some heads like, you know, what's what's that guy doing over there? I've never seen this before. What is that? But I'm telling you, if you can get this movement pattern down and do it well, five reps a day, each side is going to do so much for you. And again, mobility, strength, core functioning. So with that in mind, uh, if you're listening to this, please give me some feedback. Drop a comment what your favorite exercise is. I'd love to interact and engage with you and hear what your top exercises are. So obviously I've done the whole best exercise by body part series and I'd like to do some more on that in the near future, doing some best exercise by um, goal. So, you know, best exercises for fat loss, best exercises for muscle gain or jumping higher or that sort of thing, or uh, best full body exercises, mobility movements, that sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, Obviously, time can be a little bit of a constraint when you're mid-semester like I am, but I was really happy with this episode personally and some of the things that I brought out. Um, So again, two big issues that we're seeing right now that could be contributing to a lot of other issues that we're seeing in the country. Sleep deprivation, which is going to impact mood, alertness, performance, and so many, a whole host of other things really. And hormonal and endocrine disbalance, that's causing people to be dissatisfied um, in many ways in life. So obviously, as a country, if we can address those things as a whole, then we'll get back on our feet and moving stronger and stronger. Now, it all starts with the individual. So if you're struggling with any of these things, please reach out to us. We're happy to help you in any way that we can. We're happy to help you get connected to some functional holistic medicine practitioners and different people along those lines. And again, really allow you to take back control of your health. And again, this episode is sponsored by our custom workout programs. So if you are a college student and you're listening to this episode, or you know someone who's a college student and could benefit from custom workout planning, some movement analysis, and unlimited support, having all their questions answered by me within 24 hours, please get them in touch with us. You can connect with us on social media at Brawn Body, or you can reach out to us via email at brawnbodytraining at gmail.com. You could also just click the contact link on our website, brawnbodytraining.com. Dot com and that should allow you to reach out to me. You can click the link in our Instagram profile. There are so many ways for you to get in touch with us and take advantage of all the different services we offer. Again, 50 bucks for eight weeks or 75 for 16. That is an incredible deal, incredible price, 
And I highly encourage you or someone you know to take advantage of that because we have a great track record of results going. And I would love to continue it uh, and make you or your friend our next success story. So as always, thank you for listening and supporting the Brawn Body Podcast. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we cannot wait to see you next morning for another Monday motivation. Take care.